Hello and welcome to Breaking Social. I'm Alex. And I'm Joe. In this episode, we'll be speaking to Roisin Branch, the Vice President of Marketing at SoulCycle. SoulCycle are more than just a spin class. Their mission is to create a space where you can emerge feeling stronger and inspired in body and mind. They opened up in the UK after seeing huge success in America. And so we're keen to find out exactly how they created such a cult-like customer base, their main marketing tactics, and how they knew it was the right time to come over to the UK. So for people who don't know of SoulCycle, how would you describe SoulCycle? How did it start and how is it different from a regular spin class? SoulCycle, I like to describe it as something, it is completely unique and different to anything out there. I was lucky enough to experience it the first time actually when I started the job. And, you know, people talk about it as this like, experience and cult-like following and I think it can be it can be really intimidating um, to people who have never been through the doors before Um, but what it does people come in for the workout it's an intense workout they stay because it's what we call a bit of a cardio party on a bike so people ride together to the music they connect through the beat they throw you know towels up in the air and so it's fun they connect with the music they connect with the instructor but really, as you start to spend more time with SoulCycle, it becomes so much more than a workout. It really is like people get breakthroughs. SoulCycle gives you things that you didn't even know you needed. And that's where people really get addicted to it. Um, and so it all started. We're actually celebrating our 16th anniversary this month. Back in 2006, two, two amazing women, Julie Rice and Elizabeth Cutler, kind of bonded over their frustration of there not being any workouts out there that where you could go and lose weight and have fun. Um, And they were sure that if they created something that was amazing and inspired people that they would come back and come back, they did. You know, Julie Rice was um, a talent agent. Elizabeth Cutler came from real estate. So they created a space that was a company that was really hospitality led, but then built around these incredible instructors. Um, So very quickly, celebrities started to come, influencers started to come, and the experience is so magical that people just turn into evangelists. And so word of mouth kind of started to spread and they went from strength to strength. So now 16 16 years later, we've got a little less than 100 studios. We're in the US, we're in the UK, and kind of going from strength to strength. Clearly, the pandemic has slowed some of it down, but People need what SoulCycle brings to the world now more than ever before. Absolutely. And you mentioned the uh, the little bit of the, I suppose, cult-like status that SoulCycle has achieved over its 16 years. And we actually had a, a guest on called Jody Rainsford on, who also found that he'd started an almost cult-like running club. And it was this idea of building a community of people that were exercising together all had the same kind of outlook and mindset. We'd come to the conclusion that whilst you can be cult-like, it doesn't need to be negative. I feel like people sometimes have a negative connotation there. But he was describing it as something that can give you a lot of value and can free you in a lot of ways and you can meet like-minded people and it's something that, and it can actually be a really positive thing. So I I wanted to know, what do you feel like is SoulCycle's USP that gives it that, that status that people want to be a part of so much more than 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 a, a normal uh, spin class. Yeah, so starting off on the cult-like following, I personally think it is 
only positive. I know the negative connotations with cults. Uh, we often talk about getting obsessed and addicted, all words that have negative connotations, but they're always two sides to it. And they're just really, really powerful words. I think Soul Cycle, the way that it's built this community, which we often talk about how community is its superpower. I think you build that by creating an experience that appeals to like-minded people. I often talk about the community. It's not the reason you come to Soul Cycle. It's this surprising and amazing side effect that people then stay for. So they meet their partners in Soul Cycle, their best friends, people go to each other's weddings. And I think the the way that you get to something that powerful is when you create these experiences. So there's people who are driven by very similar purposes, life journeys, and the way that a lot of our writers talk about it is they don't have to explain why they're there. They don't have to explain what drives them. They're all going through different things in life. And without even having to talk about it, they know that the people beside them have their backs, understand them. And so very quickly that they kind of create the space where they feel a sense of belonging um, and they're people that they want to spend time with. They end up all both all having each other's backs, seeing each other because they come back you know, day after day, week after week. Um, and it is, you know, it's something that is really powerful because you create this support system just because you you end up finding your people. People talk about like, so people are the best people. Um, and it, I think it's just because we unapologetically are what we are. Um, it is, you know, candles and crystals and motivational messages are not necessarily for everyone. It's actually really interesting going into the UK. We wondered whether this was something that was going to resonate as much in the UK as it resonated in the US. But, you know, it turns out it does because everyone, you know, everyone needs that mental clarity, mental and physical well-being that comes from um, these classes. But it really is once you start to transcend the workout um, and speak to people on a level that really it's, you know, it's about this love for humanity at the end of the day. And it feels almost spiritual and tribal. Um, and people, once they start to get a taste of it, it just it becomes it becomes their safety net. It becomes such a huge part of who they are and how they define themselves way beyond just a workout and speaking to some of our most loyal riders. It is, it's amazing. You know, we've changed their lives and they just can't imagine their lives without the workout and the community that comes with it. What, what is the feedback from those customers? There must be something within the workout itself that is, is so appealing that has made them it feels like they're almost converting to this yeah. group and wanting to, to be part of it. And you've mentioned things like, obviously, there's a, a community that is built there that retains them, but there must be something within the actual workout itself that is like, right, that's that was it. That was that special thing. What is that? Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to give you all my our secret recipes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know what? The reality is it's not one thing. And we talk a lot about the competition. There's a bit of soul in all of our competitors. Like we're often imitated but never quite duplicated and I think that's because it isn't one thing um, and it changes depending on where you are on what we call your soul journey so as I mentioned like people come in initially I think in your early stages of the journey it's about that fun and the music and the fact that you can spend 45 minutes in a class and not realize that you're working out because you're just having so much fun our instructors are a huge part of it so they're trained there's an arc to the class you know, it's kind of scientifically proven that you go through this cardio workout that gets you into a stage where your brain is more receptive to messages, good or, you know, negative or, or positive. And our instructors are trained to 
really connect to people on a deeper level. And so they they have all of these messages. And depending on where you are and the type of day that you've had, the messages will re- resonate with people in slightly different ways. But I think it's that motivation at the right time where you're the most receptive to those messages, where it really hits. And then we have, you know, an arm series that build strengths and give you a little bit of a pause um, two thirds of the way through a moment that's just introspection where all, all the messages and all the cardio and that, you know, you've got endorphins pumping through your body and you just have that moment to get back, find yourself. You know, we talk a lot about finding your soul. That's really when the physical and the mental meet. And then we end on what we call the go home song where, you know, you leave the room feeling like you could conquer anything. And it's, I think it really is that feeling at the end of the class. It's a combination of being able to completely lose yourself in the music and the messages during the class and forget about everything that's going on outside and work work through some of the deeper feelings. And then you leave the class every time just feeling inspired and empowered. And that's a feeling that people get addicted to. And it's the very few things out there that connect those two in such a powerful way. So it's very difficult to get that feeling. A 45-minute class that gives you all of that is something that you come back to. And then the community is why you stay. You were talking about how you can, when you're doing a specific type of cardio, you can get into a state where you're more receptive to certain messages. And there are industries that, that exist that can use that to create habit in a way that is potentially not as helpful to people, whether that is uh, in the gaming industry or, or the fast food industry as examples. But when you were speaking about it then, it's almost like you understand the same thing, you have the same information, but you're using it as soul cycle to improve people's lives and you're using it to make their days better and make people feel better and create community. Is that something that you, you are engineering into your classes? Is that something that you're that is front of mind when you're building your classes and, and building the environment that, that they exist in? So it wasn't as conscious when it was first built. Um, so Julie, as I mentioned before, Julie and Elizabeth just wanted to create a workout that was so fun that people would come back, right? And, and so they successfully created that, continued to evolve the message, you know, with, with candles, they wanted it to be something that felt deeper. As those classes evolved, I think that we all, the company started to realize how powerful the experience was and that, you know, we started to use words like addicted and obsessed and people came and the cult like following. It was just, it was part of the brand and part of the experience that the riders were going through. And so it is a real privilege to get to work in an industry where you, we are tapping into some of that behavior where as human beings, we get addicted to a lot of things and too often those are negative things. I spent um, 15 years working in the alcohol industry, right? Where you, you tap into the joy of togetherness, but there is a, you know, there's a dark side to that. Um, what we're creating here is all positive. It's just, it helps people work through it. And actually we have, we see a lot of both writers and instructors who are recovering addicts, um, recovering alcoholics and they, They've come to SoulCycle and found a way out, and it truly has changed their lives. Um, and they, people, there are a lot of people with addictive personalities who just are looking for something to help fill that void and continue. And SoulCycle is that. And you know, not only does it help with the mental state and get and change people's lives and make it better, it also in the process you are fit. You know, you are fitter. It's healthier for your body as well. And so it is something that 
is incredible to market as your full-time job because you are making people better and saving lives every day. So we're just really lucky to have found a product that taps into something that is um, so deeply rooted in people and has a positive impact on them. One of the points that you made before was actually around um, bringing SoulCycle over to the UK. How you thought that might be perceived in the market and whether whether there was a market in the UK for SoulCycle. And so I wanted to ask whether, first of all, what was the thought process in launching in the UK? But then second of all, have you come across any people that maybe were against the idea of SoulCycle who have since done a class and converted and now are, are enjoying it to its fullest? Um, so the thought process of launching in the UK was really, it's an experience that has a lot of people gravitating towards it in the urban cities. Um, so people with very busy lives that like just need need to get away 45 minutes and the idea of doing it in the UK made a lot of sense. A lot of our instructors could go over. Instructors, you know, speak English. Um, there are a lot of commonalities between particularly people in London um, and our biggest markets of LA and New York. So it was a no-brainer in a lot of ways to, for London to be um, one of the big cities that we moved to. Culturally, you know, if you think about Brits and the differences between Americans and Brits. Brits tend to be more reserved, a little bit more skeptical when it comes to motivational messages and candles. Like that, it feels quite American as an experience. And so there were, particularly, I think, probably more so in the press than for us internally, um, some questions around whether the phenomenon that SoulCycle was in the US was going to translate to in the same way to UK market. And so we opened our first studio in Soho in 2019. And it was an instant hit. It really was the most anticipated fitness launch in the UK. And we've seen that classes have been filling out. We've been at full capacity uh, most of the time. A year ago, we opened our first outdoor location in in partnership with Selfridges. And ultimately, the experience that you get at SoulCycle is so universal. And I would argue that people in the UK probably need it uh, as much, if not more, um, because you do need that that release that, again, a lot of people get through alcohol. Um, but this is just such a much more, a much healthier way of breaking out of you know some of some of the taboos and just being able to work through work through things in a in a way feels a lot more acceptable than going to therapy. It is by no means and never should be a replacement for it, but it is you know it really is the best body and soul experience that could complement anything like therapy. I think that's a really interesting point because there is definitely this idea that there are big cultural differences between the UK and the US, but I think what has changed is social media has created almost subcultures within both British and American culture where it's now less about your geographic location and can be more about the sort of bubbles or ecosystems that you exist in on social media that can affect your outlook. So I think when social media was introduced, these new cultures were almost created that could exist in a transatlantic way where there are people that are I suppose, trend a little bit more towards what traditional American culture may look like and 
do very much get involved in soul cycle events and much more into yoga and much more into therapy as well and all of these different things they're massively growing markets in the uk so i think part of that may be to do with the introduction of of social media and these new subcultures that are being created that are less about location and more about where you are in in your social media spheres did you find any big challenges when you came into into the uk market was there anything that you had to preempt is there anything that you were concerned around other than the the culture difference is was what was the biggest challenge for you i think one of the biggest challenges was finding the right instructors we have you know our experience is so fundamentally rooted in the power of our instructors so the way we launched we brought a lot of our you know og very inspirational instructors to the uk to um, launch that market and bring the true soul experience and to help train new more local instructors that was an approach that worked really well um, that we do tend to always follow when we open a new market we have tried and true instructors go and help build a market and bring people under their wing um, because ultimately that's what you need you know and you need it's great when you have local instructors who really understand and connect with a culture, but still know how to bring people on that journey and get to the essence of, you know, unapologetically being the soul cycle that we are. How do you think about, because obviously you want this message to spread, you've launched in a new country. What kind of marketing channels do you use outside of, of course, word of mouth, because I'm sure people are on the ground recruits for new soul cycle members. What marketing channels are your key channels for acquisition of new members of SoulCycle? Yeah, so word of mouth is, of course, very important. And it's, you know, it's always, it's part of the mix because we do have an experience that lends itself to word of mouth more than anything. So bringing in influencers, celebrities, like they are the best channels, right? They come, they experience it, they become evangelists. Um, So that is still at the core, you know, one of the key levers that we have within um, our marketing mix. It's not enough. The thing with with word of mouth is we were built very much on word of mouth. And if it's, if you rely on that too heavily, it's great when things are great, but when you have a global pandemic or any negative press, you don't actually have ownership of your own narrative. So we've got two big objectives when it comes to marketing. One is getting the message out there and communicating to people what it is and why you should come back, why people should come back or why should they come and try it in the first place. And then given where we are now, such an important piece of this is getting people back into their routines because it is just such a different world. And so we have a huge opportunity in the fact that what we offer is more in demand than it ever has been after two years of being locked in our houses. Like I think we all know that we're all a little less stable than we were two years ago. Um, and so being able to both work our bodies and get a little more mental clarity is something that is more important now than ever before. So um, we use PR and social are really important ways to, to spark conversation in a very cost-effective way. Um, you know, being able to react quickly. So, you know, an example was, where I don't know if you saw when Sex in the City, the first episode launched, um, Peloton had quite a prominent role they played with um, Big, unfortunately, um, having a heart attack at the end. The following day, we had a post out where we went a little spicy um, and fast and talked about how I think the post read something like, um, we couldn't help but wonder if Mr. Big should have come to SoulCycle instead. And so our people <laughs> our people loved it. Um, we got some, some great press coverage around it. 
Um, we're also working with a lot of music artists that, you know, as they're coming back, they're facing similar struggles to us in terms of trying to get people back into concerts and um, finding new ways to promote their albums. And so we work in mutually beneficial ways with the likes of Live Nation um, and Rock Nation. And so we have amazing um, what we call soul surprises where Christina Aguilera or Joe Jonas and people just show up in our studios, give out tickets, promote their albums. Um, so it creates brand buzz um, in a way that's very cost effective and very impactful for us. Um, and we still have the brand equity that people come to us. And so we, we, we're we very lucky to be able to have incredible partnerships. We're about to launch a partnership with Bumble, uh, which again is a no brainer. People like want to meet in person. So we um, going to bring people together that way. We use media in a very kind of cost-effective way. So we speak to our first-time riders. We're really targeting our lapsed riders to bring them back. So, you know, in, in one case, talking to them about the power of the experience, the fun, the music with first-time riders. And for our lapsed riders, it's reminding them of the magic that they feel on the bike, trying to get them back. And then when we talk, if we talk about routines and getting people back into the studio to remember what it's like, we have a challenge coming up called the Unbeatable Challenge. So we talk about you know, come for the beat, leave unbeatable, speaking to some of those breakthroughs. People love challenges. It drives frequency. Um, we have Bring Your Own Bestie, which is our referral program. We know that when people come with a friend, they tend to stay and they tend to spend more money with us. And we've just launched first time. We have a two-week unlimited for our new riders, which is great because the first the first ride at Cycle is tough. Very few people have an amazing first first ride. It's awkward. You don't know what you're doing. It's intimidating. After like the fourth or fifth is when you're converted. So two weeks unlimited just gets people over that hump. And as I think I mentioned, we launched our first ever monthly subscription, which gets people back on a regular basis and helps them with their routines and something that in the UK has been a massive success. Are there any channels in particular that are more successful than others in terms of which social media platforms or which other outside of social marketing channels that you're using? We find that PR and influencers are really just really effective because it feels real and authentic um, and we really can build that because we know that the people that come in feel it our media is getting more and more effective we've um, we've worked to build a proper attribution model and so we're just in a much better place in terms of getting um, a lot smarter about the incrementality we're seeing almost 50 percent incrementality of media in terms of the people that come in so you know, we're we're continuing to learn and refine. We are in a place, given the environment, where we really do, we need to be as clever as possible. So earned media, you know, it's always really powerful when you do it right. Um, it's a huge priority for us because we just need to get the word, the word out. So partnerships and earned media is really where we see the biggest impact. You mentioned some of the campaigns that you've been doing there and some of the marketing strategies that you've used in the past, whether it's partnering with musicians or whatever that might be. It's really interesting that you can almost tell the the character of the brand of SoulCycle through all of these campaigns that you're doing. How have you built that brand presence and that brand character over time through uh, the marketing strategies you've deployed? You know, SoulCycle is not a brand that has had big campaigns really so it's back to what we were saying earlier about it starting with the experience and 
word of mouth, which is why referral programs have been so effective. And then people come in, you know, it really is about both the acquisition and retention working together in the acquisition where we focus mostly on simple media, but a lot of referral um, back in the day, and then handing that over into the studio. So making sure that that very first interaction at the front desk is as positive as possible, that people feel great. The instructor plays a huge role. So the instructor does a lot of outreach to bring them in and is responsible for um, a lot of the retention. So we give, as marketers, you know, we give tools from a social media standpoint, assets and um, guidelines to instructor and to the studios to make sure that that journey is as seamless as possible. We hit them with triggers, phone calls through the process to help bring them along. You know, it's been built in a very high touch way um, and will continue to be. We've had three campaigns probably in the last 16 years. So, you know, the first one was a campaign called, called Find It which was about finding your soul. It showcased incredible instructors, some of our most kind of old school instructors who spoke about how the journey is so unique to them. And it was very sexy and beautiful. And, um, you know, really the first time that we went out with something big, we had a second one that was mostly pride related, which was um, all souls welcome. Um, And then most recently, mind-altering fitness, which was the first time we actually highlighted our riders um, and so it was, that was launched around this time last year and to coincide with Mental Health Awareness Month. And that campaign was really about bringing it back to that magic that happens on the bike. A lot of what we've been talking about here, Adweek talked about it being a love letter to a creative love letter to our most loyal writers. And it was just a great way to remind people of what they'd been missing out on. Um, And so just kind of really bringing people back. So, you know, it really is, we're starting to build more, we're starting to own the narrative a little bit more and create more storylines so that we can communicate to the outside world as a brand, what people can expect and experience once they're a soul cycle. Um, But the more grassroots outreach are always going to be a huge part of our marketing mix. It's the way the brand was built. And it's just, it is the most impactful way to um, attract people and to keep them coming back for those future vps of marketing out there that might be listening i was wondering do you have any key pieces of advice or core principles that you try to stick by or things that you've learned in your career that you might be able to pass on to those uh, those listeners yeah so i feel very strongly about and i think more and more now with gen z is coming up and this isn't mine this is simon sinex but people don't buy what you do they buy why you do it um and it it goes back a little bit to what we were talking about in terms of being lucky enough to work for a brand that creates something that is so powerful and has such a positive impact on people. We talk about Fitzel Cycle, we move people to move the world, and that is something that everything needs to ladder back up to. So if you're going to be building a brand and you really want to connect, being very clear about what, what it is you do, like more important than what you do, why you do it, and communicating that consistently across all channels um, at scale and finding the 
two or three things that are really going to move the needle. Um, you know, as, as marketers, we're always pulled in a million directions. Everyone has an opinion on what marketing should look like. Everyone feels like they're a marketer. I think it's one of the things that marketers struggle the most with. But ultimately, if you know the brand better than anyone, it's, a, it's your full-time job to do that. So understanding your customers, understanding why they want to buy into the brand, and then doing a few things really, really well, and understanding how those things that you do impact your consumer along the consumer journey. Um, because we, are, we, you know, we live in a world where we really are able to target our messaging, personalize along the way, speak to different audiences differently in ways that really connect with them. Um, and then the last piece of advice, which I always tell my team is, you're never gonna please everyone. And any campaign that everyone loves is probably not good enough. In a world where no one's paying attention, you've got to stand for something in order to stand out. Um, and if to generate that conversation, there's always going to be people on both sides. And the more people talk about the brand, the better job you're doing in marketing. So don't be afraid to unapologetically stand for what you believe in. Um, even though it's going to mean that you know, some parts of the population that are probably not for you anyway may not appreciate it as much as your core audience. So I have one uh, final question for you. It's a little more on the personal side, and it is a question that we ask every guest on our podcast. And so that question is, what one quality do you see within yourself that without you feel you wouldn't succeed? Empathy, I think. Um, and I think it it's twofold in what I do, the empathy to really understand how to move the consumers, how to connect that brand purpose with them on a deeper level. Again, because they, they buy why you do it. I think our jobs as marketers is so much to create that connection and that relevance way beyond the product. Um, and I think you need a lot of empathy for that. And the other one is probably the most, the more obvious, which is when you're leading teams um, and needing to get people to follow you and buy into a vision and you know run through walls for you and for the company. Having a level of empathy and support and letting it, you know and empowering them is is critical. If you don't have an army of people that ha- that feel like you have their back and you understand them, um, then they're not going to work as hard for you as you need to be able to break through. Thanks so much for listening to Breaking Social. Make sure you subscribe to us so you're notified when an episode drops. And if you want to keep up with what we're doing at Campfire, make sure to follow us on the socials in the show notes. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode.